Great team win, baby. Let's build on the finish and see the song. Here we go. Hey, Broncos on three, one, two, three. Broncos! You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast coming to you victoriously here on uh, Sunday evening as the Denver Broncos just notched their fourth win of the season. Drew Locke gets his first career win in his first career start. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me as always, my partner in crime, Zach Kelberman. Zach, your gut reaction to Brandon McManus' walk-off field goal Nets the Broncos, a hard-fought win, fourth of the year. Drew Locke, Stoke, running around uh, in power field a mile high. It, it went about as well as I expected it to be, Chad. I mean, he just gave the entire team a boost, same as Brandon Allen. And I think now the Broncos beat two playoff-caliber opponents with two different quarterbacks making their first career starts. Can we all agree now that Flacco was the problem? Can we unequivocally say that Flacco, being the quarterback of this team, was the biggest problem, not the coaching? I am so excited for the implications of this game and to talk about what it all means for our awesome fans. And many of you have been hanging out in the room for a couple of hours while this game was going on. We appreciate you guys hanging with us and being available to join us in what is going to be, I'm sure, a very lively conversation, breaking down Drew Locke's first career win. And again, just the fourth win of this team of the season. So got to be stoked. And we're going to dive right into it. But first, just a couple of quick matters of business. A really brief reminder. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way for you guys to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head on over when you get a second to Apple Podcasts and leave a creative review on the show. If you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. It helps the show a lot. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Broncos country is riding high after Drew Locke led the Broncos to a 23-20 victory over the Chargers in Week 13, but he's just getting started. Next Sunday might be the can't-miss game of the year as the Broncos travel to take on the Houston Texans, and you can be there. Make sure you are with your seats from Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has that loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back the Vivid Seats rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has everything you need. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And when it's time to buy new users, make sure you enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, Zach. One thing I want to touch on. Drew Locke was not sacked in this game. Hmm. Drew Locke was – he hit once that I can remember off the top of my head, first viewing. This is the gut reaction. The game just ended just a couple of minutes ago. He was hit once that I can remember. They did a great job protecting him. And, you know, it wasn't great play calling in the second half, but he did enough in that first half to capitalize on a couple of Chargers turnovers, get some points. I mean, the Broncos went into this game with only 10 points off turnovers all year long. They got 10 points today off turnovers. And that is what having a competent uh, quarterback who can capitalize and step on the throat of an opponent can do for you. So happy and so excited for what this means for Drew Locke. And he didn't seem overly, in, in certain areas and certain aspects, overly like a rookie a quarterback who was making his first career start, who just came off IR. He looked pretty um, comfortable in the pocket. He looked pretty comfortable leading the huddle. He showed good pocket awareness. He showed good mobility. He sidestepped some pressure. Of course, he showed his elite arm talent. And he won, and he performed, I think, pretty well, despite questionable play selection by Scangarello, especially in the second half. I don't know what they're thinking there. They get very conservative, but the Broncos were able to overcome that and finally win in spite of coaching and because of their quarterback. Steven jumping in with a $5 donation Thank on you, Super Steven. Chat. He is excited, obviously. Drew Locke looked great. 
He did. He looked uh, – it was very encouraging. And, man, what an arm that kid has. What an arm. I mean, just seeing him, that arm strength and that zip combined with his athleticism and his confidence and just kind of his moxie, it just gives the Denver Broncos offense a, a different complexion, and it's really nice to see here. Uh, Solomon jumping in with a $25 donation on Super Chat. My brothers, we did it. And I am – I mean, Zach – as excited as I am for Drew Locke and, and the Broncos, I'm even more excited that fans, I mean, they went into this game with something to believe in, something to hope for, something to look forward to. And the Broncos coming out on top with Drew Locke throwing a couple of touchdown passes to Cortland Sutton, no less, just is the cherry on top. And this is what we were saying on the preview pod before the game. The stats don't really matter, and, and the wins and losses, it's nice, but it doesn't matter. But just having hope and just having that young quarterback out there, Chad, and it's not a Joe Flacco. It's not a Case Keenum. It's not a retread like a Brock Osweiler. You have a young, hungry um Physically, I'd say elite is arm-wise. Quarterback now leading this team. He's 1-0. He, he threw two touchdown passes. I mean, it's exciting times now. And it, uh, for Elway, I'm sure it feels good putting him out there and getting the win, the win and not having him blow this game. I mean, that second half, the play calling just got so conservative. Obviously, this was a coaching staff that was probably, frankly, a little bit surprised to be leading by a couple of scores early by seven points going into halftime. And, and they're... I think they put their heads together and said, let's just not screw this up, fellas. And that was kind of, you know, when you're three and eight, that's just not the right mentality to have. I mean, at this stage, you got to coach, you got to put your chips in, play like you got nothing to lose because you don't have anything to lose other than, I mean, the worst possible thing you could do is crush a kid's um, confidence. But at this stage, Locke was rolling, dude. I mean, that that pick that Denzel Perryman had, that and that first throw to Jeff Hireman off play action, those were the two only really ill-advised throws of Drew Locke's night. He wasn't doing anything up to that point that I would think, other than just his overall inexperience, to justify the coaches battening down the hatches to that degree. I mean, you want to talk about predictable. First down, you could set your watch to it. The Broncos were going to hand off the ball. There was one time that they changed it up in the second half on first down, and that was a play action to uh, – it was a play action screen that they threw it to Philip Lindsay got blown up, and, and so back they went to first down, second down run – throw it on third down. And when you become that predictable, it doesn't really matter who your quarterback is, how good your quarterback is, what kind of confidence they have, what kind of arm they have. And goodness gracious, the Super Chat donations are rolling in, guys. We're going to get to you. But the coaches just didn't, Zach, do him a lot of favors in the second half. Well, here's the thing, though, about Locke and some of those Aaron passes. This is a natural, true gunslinger in the Tony Romo, Sam Darnold, Brett Favre mold. Not saying he's going to be them, but that's the type of mentality in which he plays. So the fact that he had a couple errant passes, the fact that he uh, wasn't so inaccurate on certain passes, that's going to happen five, ten years from now, not just now. It's the type of quarterback that he is. He's going to take those chances, and he's going to throw some interceptions, he's going to have some, some miscues. But I just saw on a snap-by-snap basis, a quarterback who got more comfortable as the game went on, he yes. got more in tune with his receivers, and he didn't have help from, you know, he lost Leary. He had Deshaun Hamilton have that awful drop. He had really bad coaching in this game, I think, in the second half with play calling, and he still won in spite of all that. And like I said, the Broncos to win a game, he threw that pass to Sutton, it was right on the money. They had to interfere with him because that pass was so right on. So yeah. again, you have a quarterback who you win because of and not in spite of. To me, that's my biggest takeaway. That's the most exciting thing. And you could say the Broncos got lucky on that P.I. at the end of the game, and they certainly did. You know, I mean, Hayward, he got turned around and exploited on that. But Locke had the stones, the cashews, to use my partner in crime here's verbiage, to, to push the ball deep. And I'm sure he was told in his ear, hey, if you got singled up, just make sure you throw it deep. Let's see what we can do. But it's just great to see things come together. And <laughs> unfortunately, our, our friend here, Schuler, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, Schuler, Schuler, um, with a $15 donation on Thank Super you. Chat, brings up one of the more unfortunate and lackluster takeaways of this game to go along with the coaching in the second half. He says, no more Chris Harris Jr. pep talks, not even a top 15. He got straight lost for the third time in three games. Why are we playing Yadam? Devontae Harris seems much better. Also, we need to pay Derek Wolf. He plays hard. And Zach, it's true. I counted it. I just went through right before we got on here. Three times on third down was Chris Harris exploited in coverage. And he's just hes just not the player. He's not meant to be a team's number one corner. He's just not. And, you know, he's about as good as you'll ever find as a number two. And he's still, I maintain, you know, we haven't seen a lot of it this year, but he is 
the best slot nickel corner in the league, but he's just not cut out to be a number one. And even the Broncos, they weren't planning on going into this season, Zach, with Chris Harris being their their shutdown guy. He was supposed to be the nickel guy with Bryce Callahan on one outside and uh, either Yadam or Bosby on the other. And it just, unfortunately, due to injury, hasn't shaken out that way. Yadam played solid until that one fourth and 11 conversion for 38 yards down the left sideline to Mike Williams. And, and then on that play, Yadam finally got his head around, but it was too late. He just is a developing player. But Chris Harris Jr. is kind of out of excuses. And I'm with you, Chad. He's, he's still a great slot corner, but he's not a number one corner, and he's not an outside cornerback shadowing receivers constantly. He's not a guy that has the talent, I think, still anymore to run with receivers, especially of Keenan Allen's magnitude. And for him to give yeah. up those big plays, it's par for the course. You can set your watch to it. It's just what he does this season. He's good, good, good for three quarters and then just falls apart in the secondary. There were blown coverages. He got roasted by Allen a few times. I mean, he, Allen's a good player and all, but I think any Broncos fan is delusional if they say that Chris Harris Jr. is just as elite as he was a couple years ago. He's definitely not. Yeah, and the Broncos are definitely going to let him. I mean, this is good the way it, his contract has a clause that doesn't allow the Broncos to negotiate with him in season. Don't ask me why the Broncos agreed to that, but so he's going to hit the market. And I think at this stage, the Broncos are going to be content to allow him to test the market and see what kind of demand. I think he'll still get paid. I think it's going to be out there uh, for him, but we'll see. I, I don't think the Broncos are going to be quite as, let's just say, desperate to re-sign him. Chris Hernandez jumping in with a $21 donation on Super Chat, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Chris. And uh, he says, loving the win. Sutton getting the first touchdown, even with the no-call pass interference, even with the prevent offense in the second, third, and fourth quarters, even with the coaching calling off a 64-yard <laughs> field goal try. That was pretty bad, too. Yeah, absolutely. But, hey, man, it's just one of those things. It's This is one of the greatest feelings in sports, not only to celebrate a victory, but to see a young quarterback you've been waiting for the whole season of a, just another bad season, to see him come out, play well early when he was given his opportunities, and uh, come out with the wins that – let me just say, a, a good thing is Cortland Sutton, he is by far and away a, a number one wide receiver. He is oh, yeah. among the best in the NFL, and he's only getting better. And watching him play pitch and catch with Drew Locke, potentially for the next 10 years, is so exciting. Uh, on that field goal, though, I don't really know what Fangio was thinking. I'm not going to roast him right now for that, but make a decision. I don't like indecision there. I don't like right. him showing his rookie um, you know, lack of awareness. It's either kick the field goal or try Hail Mary. The fact that McManus was barking at him at the end of the half – I'm siding with Brandon there. I mean, there's no reason to have that much indecision. Yeah, it just was an ugly, you know, series to end that that uh, first half for the Broncos, and not a good look for Vic Fangio. Stu jumping in with a twenty-five dollar donation you, on Stu. Super Chat. Truly, one of our Super Chat superstars. He says Locke looked solid for his first game. Just need better coaching and play calling in the second half. Maybe the coaches only get paid for one half of football. <laughs> Lol. Um, Zach, you know, maybe here's the silver lining. Maybe seeing that Locke could hang in a pro, you know, environment, high stakes. There were some clutch plays that had to be made late, that deep shot, even though it wasn't a completion, it was a PI. Just having the composure to, you know, come out on top at the end like that, hopefully that gives the coaches a infusion, if you will, of confidence to where next week when they go on the road to play the Houston Texans, they can maybe open it up a little bit and not play so battened down, you know, the hatches conservative football with their young quarterback. Let him play. He's got a freaking rocket of an arm. He's athletic. You know, he's got a penchant for making plays. He showed today, Zach, he's not afraid to push the ball vertically and feed no. his playmakers. I, one thing I'll say, too, real quick before I serve this over to you, why, why the knee-jerk um, – focus by this coaching staff now that you got Hireman's back on the field and healthy to feed him the ball. Noah Fant, unfortunately, he had his opportunities. I mean, mm -hmm. that that one corner pass by in the re in the end zone to Fant, that should have been caught by him. Another end zone catch in which it slips through his fingers. Per beautiful pass by Drew Locke. Broncos still managed to get the touchdown on, uh, play later from uh, the second one to Cortland Sutton. But why they kept trying to feature Hireman and feed Hireman instead of their dynamic four or five speed running tight end who over the last month of the season while Hireman's been licking his wounds has really emerged. 
It's the same thing as playing Yadam and trying to justify him. Any Broncos high-round draft picks, it seems like Elway wants to squeeze as much value out of them as possible and not present them like the bust that they are. I think Hireman, for where he was taken in his production, has been a bust in this offense. But enough about him, though. About Drew Locke, I mean, this is what we talked about on the last pod. I think in the first game, before they had anything on film, before they can see what he can do, Drew Locke, experiment with him a little bit, kind of hide him behind the running game, let him take his deep shots, and then going forward in his next game, this is his third game, they will open up the playbook more. More deep passes, more, I think, more rollouts, maybe some trick plays. This was just an experimental game for Drew Locke. It was like a first date. That never really matters in the grand scheme of things. You're with someone 10, 20 years. And you don't look yep. at the first date. So, so many things can change. Some different outliers to that. But as going forward, they're going to, I think, expand and tailor the play calling to his strengths. Miguel jumping in with a $5 donation on Super Chat. Really appreciate you, Miguel. It's good to see you, and thank you. It means a lot to both of us. Thank you, Miguel. JT, our friend from thank across you, the pond, jumping in with a 10-pound donation. He says, Skangs in the second half didn't let Locke be Locke. Again, conservative play calling, playing not to lose, which in reality does the opposite and almost causes us to lose. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Great points there, JT. And by the way, JT, it was good to see you hanging out on our game thread at milehighhuddle.com where we're all hanging out, commenting on what we're seeing in real time. It was good. I enjoyed your insight and participation on that thread, my brother. But, but yeah, again, it's just, you know, you want to see, and I get it, it was the first exposure for Locke in the NFL. The coaches, on one hand, you almost have to, you know, play, play color within the lines as best as you can. You know, if you're the coaches trying to give Locke the best opportunity to succeed in his first career start, but when you get out to a 17 nothing lead, uh, or excuse me, 17-3 lead, and your quarterback is really feeling his oats, so to speak, like that's where you build on it. Like you, you, you go keep putting stacking wood on that fire and turn this thing into a blaze. Instead, they they pack it in, you know, batten down the hatches, and it allows the Chargers to worm their way back into the game. And that's the thing. That's what we were talking about before the before the game a couple of days ago. Is not get too high and not get too low. Have relative expectations considering Locke is making his first start. I think in his first start he was pretty good. A lot he can correct. A lot that I thought he was better than I thought he would be. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he's not a bust either. So hopefully Broncos country can meet in the middle and look at Locke objectively now and kind of allay some of those worries that they had about him coming into this game. Also, one of our super chat Thank superstars, you, Christy. Christy Jumping in with a $30 donation. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. And our superstars here on Super Chat, if you haven't received your Huddle Up podcast shirt uh, yet, they're on the way. And, you know, freight might have been slowed down a little because of the holiday, but if you haven't received them yet, don't worry. They are in the mail and on their way to you here. So let me uh, – man, the comments are coming in so hot and heavy. I'm trying to keep up here. Yakov with a $5 donation on Super Chat. says, game ball for Drew Locke. Alexander Johnson, the Dino bot. Zach, that's I think that's pretty fair. Who would you give your game balls to today? Um, I, I probably have to say them too. I mean, Cortland Sutton to make that catch, he probably deserves one. Uh, Drew Locke getting the win as the quarterback, but AJ Johnson, Alexander, he he's just been a revelation at linebacker. Every single game, him playing with that fire and then stuffing you know running backs in the backfield and and holding up in pass coverage. I don't know what the Broncos were thinking going with Jewel and Davis to start the season. But I'm so, so glad they found Jonathan. He's been the complete the, the complete key and the transformation alone in one player. It's been due to Johnson. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. 
Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm gonna. If I'm in that locker room, I'm giving a game ball to Drew Locke, to Cortland Sutton, to Brandon McManus, hmm, and if I'm picking a guy on the defensive side, it's a toss up between Alexander Johnson and Draymond Jones for that pick. You know that helped the Broncos put some more points on the board. So Derek you know, Wolf th- too, I guess. Yeah, Derek Wolf two sacks. He yeah. now has seven on the season, which is a career high. So good to see him really just playing well in a contract year, but. That's who I would have as my game ball candidates. Brian Greenfield jumping in Thank the $10 you, donation on Super Chat. He says, I love Drew's play. I don't know if I can be optimistic for next season, though, with this terrible <clears throat> coaching and play calling. And, you know, one thing just to balance out some of the some of the negativity on the coaching, and it's well-deserved, don't get me wrong, but one thing to keep in mind, and this is like the 10,000-foot view, Zach is – Vic Fangio, yes, it's week 13. You would think that by now you're seeing – you would see a more uniform uh, coaching staff, you know, doing a better job in the moment than than what they showed this last – today. But you got to remember they're still learning on the job. Fangio's a first-time head coach. Yeah, he's a 40-year NFL coaching vet, but he's a first-time head coach. A lot of these, like, you know, procedural decision-making process – this is all new to him, and he's right. trying to – get information in from the analytics guys up in the booth, make decisions, what his gut's telling him. And, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a buffering time for him getting up to speed. The same goes for Rich Gangarello up in the booth calling plays offensively. You got to give him a little bit of a break, but I'm just tired of having to say that it feels like, especially offensively for Skangs week in and week out, you finally have a shiny dynamic quarterback. Yes. He's inexperienced. Yes. He's young. You know, you do have to, you know, try and protect him as best you can as a play caller. But, man, it's time to open it up and see what you can really do with this offense instead of – I mean, Locke was solid. He went – let me just throw these stats out to you. He went 18 of 28, 134 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, quarterback rating of 84.5, and he also picked up 15 yards on the ground. As a complete offense, you know, it's not. it wasn't a total, you know, terrible thing here for the Broncos from Scangarello. But they were outgained by the Chargers. Chargers total net yards, 359. The Denver Broncos, 218. So, look, you've got a dynamic trigger man now, Zach. What I'm saying is it's time to open it up and allow him to be himself. And the inconsistency, I mean, you can chalk that up to having a a defensive coordinator as your play caller who's a rookie head coach, and then your offensive play caller is a rookie offensive coordinator. So there's so much inexperience on the staff. There's so many new moving parts. It was always going to take a season, maybe even a little longer into next season, for the whole operation to come together. I think you and I and maybe uh, some of Broncos country may have overestimated the quick uh, assimilation with Fangio's system and and Scangarello and the quarterbacks. That's a possibility. But now that they have Drew Locke in there, now that they have their guy that they can build around, it'll become easier all around. I just want to see, like you said, I don't want indecision from Fangio. I don't want to play conservative. I don't want to play not to lose or scared. Keep stepping on their throats. I hope that what we saw in the fourth quarter with that long pass that set up the PI, that was the mentality that we're going to see going forward. Got to have it. Got to have it. This, you know, I always say Fox ball, this Fox ball mentality that we've seen from Vic Fangio too many times this year and also as well from Scangarello. And a lot of that, you know, Scangarello takes the blame from a design perspective, but from a, you know, I want to run it on third and five, or I want you to play it safe in this particular down and distance or situation. Those are cues that he takes from the head coach. Vic Fangio's jumping on the headset and he's saying, hey, Rich, on in this situation, I don't like trying to push it too hard. Let's keep this, you know, on the defense and just, you know, do a, let's do a toss out to Lindsay or whatever. Eventually he's got to take his, his foot off the brake, allow Scangarello to 100% just do his thing. And take some confidence in Drew Locke having the dynamic ability to really set your offense up. Dallin jumping in with a $5 donation on Super Chat. Thank you. He says, great for Brandon McManus. I'm glad that he got his chance to 
uh, get her in late. It's good to see him back to being the good kicker we know him to be. And he's a guy, Zach, you and I have to tip our caps to him. We've Mm -hmm. been critical of McManus this year in almost every other instance in which the Broncos really needed him to come through this year anyway, and not so well the previous two years. He just hasn't quite gotten there. Today, though, he was money in the bank for the Denver Broncos, that walk-off field goal, as well, as good as I felt for Drew Locke, I was happy to see that for McManus as well. I mean, we've been critical of him, but it's been it's been deserved, Chad, and we don't knock players that, that you know, are performing well. He had a job, and he's been failing, and he's been yep. really highly paid, you know, commiserate to the production he's been putting out. He, I, We're always the first people to praise the people that should be praised. He had a great performance today. I think he kicked as he should kick in Denver, um, and he came through today. Also, Garrett Bowles, another guy that we, we love to hate, he gave up, you know, no sacks today, no penalties. He held up reasonably well, too. So a lot of the uh, the culprits and the Broncos' losses were now, you know, benefactors in their win today. Absolutely. Yakov jumping back in, $5 donation. Okay. Thanks, brother. He says, I have to give Vic Fangio credit for not kneeling. He is willing to go for it. 99% of coaches would have went to overtime. That's a fair point. I honestly thought he was going to kneel on it and play yeah. for overtime. I really did. I can't lie. I was a little bit surprised. To see him, Zach, you know, try and see what they can do here to, and you know, the football gods opened up their skirt, lifted the skirt, sent him down a blessing, <laughs> PI, set him up for that walk off field goal. It all worked out perfectly, but you don't get there if you kneel on the ball with eight seconds to go. I, he had nothing to lose. I mean, you throw it deep, it gets picked off. It seems no time left on the clock anyway, but maybe he learned from the end of the first half not to, you know, make a decision one way or the other. And I like it. And if you want to say that penalty was, was ticky tack, if you want to say the Broncos caught a break, how many times this season, last season, 2017, did the Broncos get screwed? from the referees. So I think the football gods and the football karma was on the Broncos side, deservedly so in today's game. This is a great point by Jacob, longtime listener of the show. He says, Drew Locke looks great with this young core. And that's what you can be excited about is you're, you know, we've, we've been witnessing it all year long, kind of the passing of the torch, the changing of the guard out with Emmanuel Sanders in with Cortland Sutton. You're seeing out with Joe Flacco in with Drew Locke now. And, you know, with all the other young pieces that have emerged this year, including Alexander Johnson, Dalton Reisner, Connor McGovern, I think has, has done better than, than I expected him to as a, as a full season starter. There's a lot of pieces. Justin Simmons, I mean, we could keep going on down the line. Kareem Jackson has been a phenomenal addition, even though he's in his, uh, what is he, in his 10th year, I think now. So he's not exactly a young guy, but he is part of the new core. And it is exciting to, to think and you know, what this team could be. That's why – I maintain, Zach, the the mentality that even if in these ensuing four games, Locke's going to get five games counting today to finish out this this season, even if he doesn't play well in these remaining four games, the Broncos need to give him these four, remaining four games plus all of next year. So that means you go bef- to, as far as a full time, you know, full audition to prove whether or not he can be the, the answer at quarterback long term for the team. That means you go into the offseason – removing quarterback off the board as a as a knee-jerk need doesn't mean you don't scout the class doesn't mean you don't keep your eyes open for possibilities in the draft if guys are falling and but you set your board priority around the the idea of Zach we are building the nest around Drew Locke and trying to continue to add to this increasingly talented and emerging young core it's ironic that Locke's first uh you know I think his first completion went to fan or his first attempt went to fan. I mean, it's ironic because those are two young pieces in this Broncos offense, and they're going to be around for a very long time. Him and Sutton, uh, if Deshaun Hamilton ever gets his hands together, they have a lot of young pieces. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, they can really do some damage. But like you said, Chad, they finally have the guy in place. And every single rep he takes, every single snap he takes this season is invaluable. It will make him a better quarterback. And I'm with you. The more he wins, the more job security he's going to have. And I think he will go into next offseason as the guy. Maybe have a little competition behind him, but definitely tilted in his favor to be the starter for 2020. Our friend Trick Lessons podcast jumps in with a $5 donation. Appreciate you, brother. He says, Locke is the guy. I don't want to draft a quarterback. I hope he keeps playing decent the next four games. And I do too. And thanks again, brother, for the donation. Even if he doesn't play well, you got to give him a the full faith and support of the organization for a season. He needs a full season. And that means you're going to have to give him all of 2020 in order to get the, a full look and evaluation on him. So that means this coming spring, this March, this offseason is about building the nest around Lockett. By the way, bringing up Deshaun Hamilton, 
you know, I feel for the guy a little bit because he hauls in two passes from Drew Locke, the first of which Locke led him into danger and he got blown <laughs> up, but he held on to the ball. He had a second one in which he took a big shot from Adrian Phillips. And then the third one, he's wide open, no one around him for freaking 150 yards, and he drops the ball on third down. And, you know, it's one step forward for Deshaun, two steps back. It is, and, and that's why he's been, you know, leapt past on the depth chart by Tim Patrick. That's why he hasn't been a focal point of this offense. And it's tough for everyone to get going, but I don't really care. I, I feel bad in a sense, but you have to catch that pass, Chad. I mean, you're an NFL wide receiver. It hits you in the hands. It's a big moment in the game, and you let it just slide through. There's no excuse for it, and it, it's just been a disastrous, I would say, second second year campaign for Hamilton. Yakov jumping back in again with another $5 donation. He wants to know, this is a curious question here. He says, would we be four and eight if Locke went into the season as the starter? Now keep in mind, he suffered that thumb sprain. So even if the Broncos had not put him on IR, he was missing the first, let's say quarter of the season, probably about that, that first four games. But just for the sake of, you know, talking about it, do you think the Broncos are still four and eight if Locke starts each and every game thus far. It comes down to how much onus you put on Flacco for those losses, Chad. Do you think he was the culprit for him? And I happen to think that. I would think their record would be closer to 500 with a capable quarterback, with a young, exciting quarterback. And like I said, we saw Brandon Allen come in and beat the Browns. We saw uh, Drew Locke come in and beat the Chargers. Those are two borderline caliber playoff teams. I'm saying they're in the playoff hunt, but those were two teams that were touted as playoff contenders going into the season. And the Broncos, the two young guys making their first career starts, knocked them both off. So I happen to believe, based on that, they would have been better than 4-8. and eight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. They definitely would have got, I think, more than the two wins Joe Flacco delivered for him in that first eight games. I mean, let's not forget, Joe Flacco went two and six as a starter. I think, and you know, you can't blame Flacco completely because the Broncos defense has now squandered four games with a lead in the final, in the fourth quarter and allowed, you know, that's led to a loss. That's not in that case, in those particular situations, that's not on Flacco, but you have to wonder how the complexion of those games would have been different with a, a different quarterback, Drew Locke under center. You know, there's no way to know for sure. But my, I would say if Drew Locke is the starter all 12 games this year, the Broncos probably have two more wins than they do right now. Maybe more, but two more wins, which, you know, if that were the case, they'd be 500. They'd be a 500 ball club. So um, Steve jumping in with a $2 donation you, on Steve. Super Chat. Appreciate you, my friend goes a long way. We really do appreciate that. Let's see what else we got here from Brian. $5 donation on Super Chat. He says, I'm no coach, and I can predict 90% of their run-pass plays. P.S. I almost wanted Brandon McManus to miss. (laughs) That's awesome. To see more lock in overtime. (laughs) And that's it. You know, hey, that's, that's, you know, it's so cool to finally have a quarterback that you actually want to watch plays at. Yeah, and it's so nice for Broncos fans to be so excited over a quarterback, Chad, a young quarterback, that they want a potential game to be lost or to be left in limbo to see more of that quarterback. No no one was saying this about Paxton Lynch. No one was saying this about Rippon or Brandon Allen. This is what Locke brings to the team. And even the CBS crew, they said there's just something about the guy. There's yep. just something about his personality that rubs off on you. And these are the type of intangibles that you know you have something special, a potential franchise quarterback and that's what i've been trying to tell you guys is you know i've only had one opportunity to talk to drew lock one-on-one face-to-face and he's a qb1 guy i mean he's just he's got that um you know the charisma the it factor he's got it and you could tell early on in this game zach he had some jitters that missed throw to hireman i think being the most evident example of a guy being wide open and he throws it wildly i shouldn't say wildly off target but if he throws it outside toward the sideline, put some air under it, Hireman can get under that, and you got a big play. Instead, he's thrown on the run, and he throws it inside, off target. Lucky it didn't get picked off, but those were early game jitters. I still think he did 
I mean, he, he did a lot to overcome those early on. That first touchdown, that's why you got to tip your cap to Sutton because mm-hmm. that was such a confidence-boosting play for Drew Locke. I mean, not only was it a deep shot, you know, 20-plus yard uh, scoring play, but it came early in the game and it allowed Locke to go, oh, okay, exhale, right. I can do this, I belong here, and the rest is history. And, and you know what? The Broncos, the way they treated him, the way they, they had him in mothballs and they were putting him in this bubble wrap and they were so scared like a little baby deer not to let him get hurt out there, not to let him uh, implode mentally. They were worried about that. And you know what? He met adversity today. He met a lot of challenges today. He didn't implode. He didn't throw five picks. He won them the ball game. His touchdowns were the difference in today's game. So I think it should show the Broncos front office. It should show John Elway that this guy has what it takes to win. And uh, maybe they shouldn't have waited so long to play him. Apparently, we've got some trolls in the comment stream. And Christy and anyone else who's <laughs> complained on this, unfortunately, during the live stream, there's not much Zach and I can do on that. We'll have to hire or bring in one of the guys to monitor the, the, uh, the stream while we're actually going live. There's too much going on for us to, to – and even from where we're streaming, using StreamYard – we don't have the means to 86 someone. Well, do we? Well, yeah, I was that guy that yeah. kept, uh, yeah, I, if you Did click you a little, care of that? yeah, you can block the uh, trolls. Okay. So, Christy, we got you. And uh, we'll, we'll try and that keep one guy. It's hard, though, when we're talking off the top of our heads, trying to stay focused right. on the moment, also going through the comments. We'll try and do a better job for you there. But, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for Broncos fans. Drew Locke gets his first win in his first career start. The Broncos win uh, going off the, the final kick from Brandon McManus, 50-plus yards. They win 23-20. to 20. And it was nice also for what it's worth, Zach. The Broncos got over 20 points. It's only happened a few times this season, so it's good to see. Chandler jumping in with a $10 donation. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Chandler. He says, do you see us taking a top corner in this draft? Looks like the cornerback position is depleted, and Chris Harris Jr. has checked out. Keep cranking out the good content, fellas. Will do. Thanks. Zach, your answer for Chandler. That would depend on like many things, how Locke does his next four games. I think if they feel well enough to go with in 2020 with Garrett Bowles as a starter or Jawan James coming back, they can maybe look past a offensive tackle, maybe look past a quarterback. But in that third situation, yeah, I can see corner. But if you have any concerns about Jawan James or Garrett Bowles or maybe even your quarterback, you've got to prioritize those positions depending on where they also um, slot in the draft. I think they're ninth right now, and they were fifth, I think, before. So mm-hmm. depending on where they finish will determine where they go, I think, in the draft this year. Yeah, I mean, that brings up a good point. It does kind of feel like Chris Harris Jr. has checked out. We're not psychologists. You know, we don't we can't get into the mind of Chris Harris Jr., but when this thing began to go south on the Broncos, Bronco, you know, getting out to a two and six start, I do wonder what you know, how it's not that he's mailing it in, but like you're seeing him give up more clutch plays in this season than I've ever seen Chris Harris before. And for most of the year, it's been he shuts down his guy until the you know, back half of the fourth quarter and then he gives up a dagger. The last couple of games, he's been pretty consistently exploited, and especially on third down. It's on third down where you need your shutdown corner to shut guys down. He wasn't able to do that. Yes, the Denver Broncos, when it comes to top draft priority, Zach, it's offensive tackle and it's cornerback. Offensive line, tackle specifically, and cornerback in my book. And, and the thing about Chris Harris Jr., we should have known that he was going to be like this. He was a mercenary from the moment he held that contract demand and got his money and then complained that he wanted to be more highly paid and wanted to be the number one corner. We should have known then his heart wasn't going to be about the team this year so much as about him and his own personal accolades and success. He was looking to just cash out and do the best he can this year and have an eye on the free agent market. So I think also maybe emotionally he's a little more apathetic. I mean, his play has definitely fallen off, but right. I think he, he knows that he's probably a goner next year. Agreed. Black Knight, 232, jumping in with Thank a $5 you. donation. Appreciate you. He says, I'm wondering if the West Coast offense is getting outdated or if our offensive coordinator is just that bad. Like, gosh damn, for the last three seasons, our offense has been bad. I think part of it is that, that uh, the West Coast offense in today's game, in order to thrive, you need the perfect balance of – you know, the right play caller, the right designer, and the talent. Now, I think, honestly, even though it's we got a 12-game sample size, it's too early to say whether or not 
you've got the right designer for sure, one way or another, in Rich Scangarello. I think it's too early to completely pan him and, and call it quits on Scangarello. And it's also too early to tip your cap to him saying, I think we found our guy. Now, we don't know internally in the front office and with Vic Fangio what the conversations are as it relates to Scangarello, although we're both confident that he's going to get 2019 and 2020 minimum. And especially now that you got Drew Locke in there, you don't right. want to upset the apple cart. They need to grow together. And, and fans really, you know, at this stage, you just kind of have to roll with the punches and let Scangarello grow with this young quarterback now that they've finally bitten the bullet, Zach, and, you know, they've moved on to Drew Locke. I am 100% with you there, and I will say this. If they replace Scangarello, it's going to do more harm for Locke's development than replacing him with another coordinator would do good. I mean, he has to have some sort of continuity. They hired Scans with the the idea of him developing a quarterback in mind, and they drafted Locke, him being that quarterback in mind for Scangarello. So you have to give him at least one year together, a full season together as starting quarterback and offensive coordinator. I think Scangarello is good enough, even with the offensive scheme, to mold his plays to uh, exploit, you know, Locke's biggest is is uh, strong points. Amen. Josh jumping in with a $5 donation on Thank Super you, Chat brings up a point that's probably on the minds of a lot of fans. He says, how do you guys feel about Royce Freeman taking so many reps from Philip Lindsay? I don't understand it. Now, let me just put this into context for you guys. Honestly, Philip Lindsay received 17 carries today. Royce Freeman, five. So, you got to, I mean, your most dynamic running backs in the league, Christian McCaffrey's, your Saquon Barkley's, you name the most dynamic guys. You got to spell them from time to time. 17, so, so not counting Drew Locke's three scrambles. The Broncos rushed 22 times today. Phillip Lindsay had 17 of them, and they were 58 hard fought yards. Today, of all the days, I understand your concern there, but today, of all the days, Zach, I, I I think they did a pretty good job of balancing that, making sure your play co- your your playmakers getting the majority of those touches, and then giving him a few reps off to keep him fresh. And I think Lindsey had one of his better games uh, that he's had this season, especially in recent games. I mean, he ran really well today, picking up extra yards. And I'm not s- crazy about still the play calling for Lindsey, a lot of inside runs, not a lot of outside plays for him. But that goes back to what I was saying earlier about Yadam and about Bowles and about Langley before. The Broncos really, when they have a higher on draft pick, especially in the Elway era, they really want to get those players on the field and prove that they can play. So I don't think Freeman is ever going to be benched or given no carries. He's always going to be part of this committee. But you can tell there's been a shift the last couple of weeks going to more of a of a committee approach to more of a Lindsey, you know, a, a single back backfield. And he has too much talent, Chad, to be yeah. sitting on the bench. And by the way, Devontae Booker, WTF, oh. bro, roughing the kicker. That led to the first score for the Chargers, three points. Come on, bro. You're in your fourth year. You've been playing specials for the last two years pretty consistently. Like, you got to be smarter. He was. He got greedy there. He, was, he thought he was going to get the block, and he sold out to get that block. And when it didn't happen, man, he had too much forward momentum to stop himself from running into the kicker and thus drawing a 15-yard roughing penalty which gave the chargers momentum the possession continued and they got three points broncos fan number 24 jumping in with a 20 dollar donation on super chat and by the way bro i uh you got to reach out to us on our email email us at milehighhuddle at gmail.com get us your personal details because you have become one of our super chat superstars and we want to get you a uh, a shirt out to you as a small thank you some swag he says i noticed Locke was looking at his wristband a lot even after the play that shows he's still learning the playbook but this shows he won this game with strictly his talent playing behind uh mentally that's encouraging yeah i mean it's he's not only is was it his first start but it came after only three weeks of practice and all those mental reps helped him. We've heard Fangio say that he thinks it did. Scangarello, Locke himself, has said all the mental reps in the VR and the time off t- turned out to be a blessing in disguise. But he's still a rookie. You know, right. we're not talking about Peyton Manning you know, circa 2012 stepping onto the field that has forgotten more about football than we'll ever know. This is a young quarterback that's still learning as he goes and still very fresh back into even practicing that. So, yeah, very encouraging to see that he was able to hang and do what he did today. 
It, it was, and you know, I, I would also say the Chargers did not play well today. That was a very uh, lackadaisical team, a very undisciplined team uh, under Anthony Lynn this year. So I got to say that that contributed also to the Broncos' win. But listen, Locke is a young quarterback. A lot of young quarterbacks look at their wristband and lean on those when they don't know the playbook. So don't look at every little thing now. I don't want Broncos fans to get too high now, and just because he looks at his wristband, he's this he's this elite talent. No, he had a good game today. A lot he can still improve on. A lot he has to learn still. We just have to keep it relative and keep it real going forward all right guys a couple more and then we are going to wish you a good evening from chandler jumping back in another five dollar donation says what do you guys think is the missing piece that is holding the broncos back from being competitive zach for me it comes down to cornerback depth they were once again exploited today chris harris didn't hold up on third down Isaac Yadam exploited in the clutch on a fourth and 11. I mean, that's a key play. You need, there is no reason you don't get a stop, let alone give up a 38-yard completion. Cornerback is has just plagued them all year long. And it's not that they didn't do anything to try and solve that. They did sign Bryce Callahan. He passed a physical. He, his foot appeared to be fine. And he got it stepped on, and the rest is history. It, and then they've just had some bad luck. Devontae Bosby emerges during the, the offseason, and then he gets hurt early. Week five, he suffers that neck running into uh, Alexander Johnson. But I think if you can shore up the cornerback situation, you get Justin Simmons re-signed, and you got Bradley Chubb back next year with Von Miller, it just comes down to corner and offensive line. And I think you also, just for good measure, you need a dynamic number two wide receiver. Those are three areas, wide receiver, offensive line, and cornerback, that you, you stack the shelves there, you build the nest there, and you have a significantly better chance next year, Zach, of competing. I will I will add in there also offensive line, get a, a backup for Garrett Bowles or a potential replacement for him. Also, Juwan James, get a, another guard for Ronald Leary. And if assuming you have a quarterback, the coaching is the only thing that's going to hold this Broncos team back. I mean, we talked about it earlier. They would have been probably 500 with a better quarterback, but coaching, too, has contributed to the Broncos' losses this year as well. And I hate to say it with Fangio because I have such high hopes for him, but if they were just more consistent, they were more attacking, they were more aggressive, and they were just more on the same page and just feeling themselves a little more, they would be a competitive, a uh, more competitive, clean product, and I think they would have more wins. He wants to know, by the way, uh, Brian jumping back in with a $2 donation Thank on you, Super Chat. Thanks, bro. He says, anything on Derek Wolf's status and Vaughn for next week? Vaughn almost went today. They aired on the side of caution. My guess is that my bet is that Vaughn will play next week. I don't know because we didn't listen to the postgame presser from Coach Fangio. We don't know for sure what the diagnosis is on Wolf, but he was able to walk off on his own volition. So, oh, Gary here says he had a dislocated elbow. Hmm. So we'll have to get back to you on the timetable for Derek Wolf. Uh, But keep checking back milehighhuddle.com. We'll have a report on it later this evening. I don't want to grab the low-hanging fruit, but that's another injury for Derek Wolf. And as good as he is on the field, he just cannot stay healthy for this team. And that's just the biggest argument as to why you shouldn't pay the guy beyond the season. Great player when he's on the field. It's just so rare that he stays consistently healthy. Big Daddy Kane bringing up something here. Almost 20,000 no-shows today at the game. Mm. And look, when you are here's, – here's, here's my point on this, okay? A, you're 3-8 and eight going into this game. B, you had the opportunity to really get your fan base excited, announce that Drew Locke's going to be the guy. Instead, you know, Fangio's trying to act like, you know, the Broncos have something to play for in this game and maintain the mystery and competitive advantage and gamesmanship all the way down to the wire. Maybe half of those people, maybe more, show up if you get out in front early on this week once you'd already clearly made the decision you were making a change and let people know, Hey, guess what? Drew Locke's going to start. You're probably going to get a lot more people's butts in the seats. Yep. And uh, Big Daddy Kane jumping up the $20 donation as Thank well. You. Appreciate you, brother. I'm right there with you. I hated the way they, they dragged it out. And the Broncos have no one to blame but themselves for the no-shows, not only because their record. I mean, no one's going to see a losing product. But if they would have announced Locke as a starter on Tuesday or Wednesday, it would have given fans more time to buy tickets, to come out to this game, and, and to wait till Saturday and to take it down. To, not even Saturday, till today, this morning. Take it down on the wire. Fans didn't know they're not going to come out to see a 3-8 and team on a cold day to see Brandon Allen play the Chargers. I mean, it, it, just, it just didn't sell any tickets. I mean, Drew yep. Locke is that he puts butts in seats. And if they would have just announced it, like you said, Chad, I mean, there wouldn't have been as many no-shows, I have to believe. 
Hey, I just blocked a user trying to throw some shit at the Broncos. Get out of here. Get that S out of here. It's funny. Christy, uh, last thing here, and then we're going to get out. She says, I think they will open it up as they get more comfortable with Locke. Skangs is playing conservatives, a conservative because of Flacco's immobility. They need to work on adjusting during the half, too. That brings up a good point. Yeah, Man, the Broncos have been one of the worst coaching staffs in the league this year of adjusting after the half, both to on the offensive and defensive sides, Zach. It's the lack of adjusting, Chad, that gets me. It's just yeah. other teams have an adjustment, and the Broncos never counter. It happened in the Minnesota game. When you take that lead into the half and you blow that big of a lead, that's all coaching right there. That's all it comes down to. I fully agree. Scangarello has to show more aggression. He has to show more confidence in his players. And Vic Fangio and Scangarello have to get on the same page. I think I saw one comment that said that uh, Scans wanted to kneel it at the end of the game and Fangio wanted to throw. So to have the type of disconnect, you've got to be on the same page there. And when they do get on the same page, you'll see a more consistent product. And we don't know that for sure, though. Well, that's, that's apocryphal, unconfirmed whether or not they wanted to, you know, one guy wanting to do this, one guy wanting to do that at the end. But the point remains the same. We need these guys to be on the same page and and – it was unclear this today anyway, whether or not they were. But you guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Big thanks to each and every one of you for joining us here live. I think this was probably our record in terms of live viewers joining us. We were well over 500 live viewers the entire time on Facebook, plus our entire YouTube audience. So big thanks to all you guys for joining us. And uh, we appreciate you each and every time. Our super chat donors, uh, our superstars, you guys are awesome. And we have got some really cool things planned here as that we're going to begin to flush out in December and especially as we get to the new year for uh, our, some plans designed for our, our Super Chat superstars. But make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That is the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. You can always tweet myself or Zach. Use the hashtag FootballPriest. We're always going to find it. Or just simply, you can see here where to find my partner, Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, and myself, at Chad and Jansen. Stay tuned. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern for the Aftermath episode, sifting through all the postgame comments, what we learned the next day, and just, you know, maybe a little bit more measured reaction after, you know, 24 hours removed. But, Zach, what a day, brother. And this is what a quarterback does, Chad. We mentioned the the influx of, of uh, viewers we had today. That's just the excitement that a young quarterback can bring, especially after a win. So my message to Broncos country, it might be a lost season. You guys have been through a lot, but enjoy this win and enjoy having that hope under center again. It doesn't come around often, but now that it did, you got to revel in it. All right, you guys. Thanks again for joining us, and a massive mile-high salute to all of yes. our Super Chat superstars. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.